Hey everyone, Charlie Morgan here and welcome to this quick video. Um, in this video, I want to discuss why you're probably overextending what we mean by lead quality or the overextension of the lead quality principle is probably what I'm going to call this video. Um, might sound like a bit of a complicated title, but it's actually a really simple idea. Um, and the chances are is that this is one of the reasons as to why you're finding it hard to make sales. Um, or at least get people on the phone. There's, there's obviously the, the whole point of this channel is to help agency owners get more meetings to get more clients. Um, and obviously there's a multitude of reasons as to why people struggle to do those things. Um, but one of them that I've seen emerging a lot in the industry recently is the overextension of the principle of lead quality. So what I'm going to do in this video is sort of break down what the problem is, why I think it exists, and then how you can solve it, if that makes sense. So let's jump in. Um, so in terms of what we mean by overextension of the principle of lead quality, well, obviously, first of all, we have to understand what lead quality actually is, and then we have to sort of define overextension. Overextension is basically the word that you would use to describe taking something too far or taking a rule to an extreme or something like that. So for example, if you have a political belief, if you lean too far to the right, um, you would say that you're overextending your opinions on the right. And as we know, politically, too far to the left is bad, too far to the right is also bad. So, you know, anything to an extreme is probably never going to work. And that is what we call overextension. It's just taking something to an extreme. Now, obviously, the, the sort of idea of lead quality isn't very congruent with political landscape. However, the, the rule of the overextension can apply in the same way. So with lead quality, when, when I talk about lead quality, first of all, I'm talking about finding people that are people that are at first glance, the right sort of fit for your agency. Now, there's obviously a multitude of things that contribute towards lead quality. For example, budget, business size, team size, willingness to run Facebook ads and all of these things. But what I've started to uncover and what I've started to realise, and I'm preaching to myself whilst recording this video, but I feel like as I uncover these ideas, it's nice to share with other people. What I'm finding is that a lot of people are overextending the idea of lead quality to the point where they only want to talk to people that are a perfect fit at first glance. Now, this might make sense and it might because there's a there's a big sort of prevailing bias in the market that we only want to talk to people that are the perfect fit for us. Now, you want to talk to people that are the right fit for the agency. However, there is an element of you want to talk to people who could be a good fit for the agency, because what we're finding at the moment is that when you get on the phone with someone for a discovery call or a strategy session to see if they might want to work with you, uh, obviously, the, the sort of the way you should sell is through qualification, right? So you take a consultation or a discovery call, you ask a list of questions to figure out if the person's the right fit for you. Now, if you have a sense of integrity, if they're not a good fit for you on the answers to those questions, then you will tell them that it's not a good fit and then you leave your you sort of leave to it. However, we have to bear in mind that whether or not someone's a good fit for us, a lot of that is going to be contributed down to their beliefs about what is right for their business. So for example, um, we've got a lot of clients with, with Imperium Agency now in terms of coaching agency owners, and a lot of them only want to talk to people who are on board with running Facebook ads, which makes perfect sense, right? You want to be talking, it's great to talk to people who are on board with the idea of running Facebook ads. But when you get on the phone with someone and they're not open to the idea of running Facebook ads, that does not mean that they are a bad fit for you. All it means is that you have to just change their mind because it's not necessarily the truth. People think they know what they want, but what they want is not always going to be the best thing for their business. So when you, if you hop on a call with someone 
and they say they don't want to run Facebook ads because they hate Facebook ads and they hate everything they stand for. A lot of agency owners at, at that point would just assume that the client is not a good fit for them. But the reality is that they are not equipped with the ability to handle that objection. And that is really why the sale can't happen or can't go through. Because depending on the business, of course, you'll be able to judge this on the call. Facebook ads might be the right fit for the person, but they might not see that. So instead of writing off the call as a bad fit, you want to try and change that person's mind and change their beliefs. And there's a whole a whole realm of psychology as to how you do that. But what I'm starting to notice in the market at the moment is that a lot of people are coming out of sales calls, losing deals because they think it's a bad fit. Now, this is interesting. It goes a bit deeper than this because it's my opinion that if you cannot close someone, nine times out of 10, it's probably your fault. So what I've, what I found with myself over the past, I've been doing sales now for about five years, specific to agency retainers and consulting deals and high ticket consulting deals. And one of the biggest things that held me back was getting off of a phone call. And if it didn't close, I would blame the prospect for that, for that happening. I, I could always have a reason as to why the call didn't close. You know, it, I could say, oh, he just didn't want, for example, he just, he just wasn't on board with Facebook ads or, you know, he, whatever reason, you know, it could be anything. And, it's it's a huge problem because until you take responsibility for the prospect's decision, you're basically admitting that you can't close them, right? So what I find a lot of people doing nowadays is they're using the word fit as an excuse to not learn how to sell properly. And this this is a this is a gigantic problem because what we're observing is with people's lead sourcing, with people's appointment booking processes, is they only want to talk to people that are ready to buy there and then immediately on the spot who are basically perfect prospects. Now, we all want perfect prospects, but they are basically like needles in haystacks. And if your entire appointment booking process and your entire lead sourcing process is based solely around finding the perfect fit every time, then you're probably not going to make much progress. Is it the case that if you prospect for everyone, you're going to talk to people that aren't a good fit for you? Yes. But is it also the case that you're going to talk to people that might be a good fit for you, but just don't realize they are yet? Absolutely. And that's the most common sort of call that you're going to be conducting. So when you are, you know, when you're on a phone call with someone, if they raise an objection, right, about, you know, perhaps not having the time to work with you or not having the budget or not having, you know, the right sort of team in place, whatever, sometimes, sometimes it will mean they're not a good fit for us, right? Sometimes those things are genuine objections and they prevent us from working with the prospect. If they haven't got any money to work with you, then it's just not a good fit. And there's nothing you can do about that. I've had it before where people have actually showed me their bank statements and said, Charlie, I want to work with you, but I just physically do not have the money. And that's fine. But most of the time, objections are smoke screens for uncertainty. So a lot of people take objections at face value and they just assume that the objection means the prospect wasn't the right fit for them. And what they do is they they sort of, they they shoulder off the responsibility for the sale just by saying it's not a good fit because objections are a very, very good, or sorry, um, objections and that sort of thing. It's a very good scapegoat for not taking responsibility to actually close the deal, if that makes sense. So anyway, going back to this whole thing of overextending the idea of lead quality, right? So if you, when I talk to agency owners, right, when I'm doing sales calls with agency owners and getting them on board, one of the prevailing biases that I'm noticing at the moment is I'll ask people, you know, why, why, like I'll ask them what their sales conversion rate is nine times out of 10, they don't know, but that's the story for another day. But I'll ask them, you know, what, what's the conversion rate? And if it's low, I'll say, well, why do you think that is? And the answer is almost always lead quality. 
almost always. In fact, in, in the past 200 discovery calls I've done with agency owners, I think maybe one or two people have taken responsibility and said it's actually my fault. And this, this is, this is extremely interesting to observe because as we can all know, responsibility is the cornerstone to progress. Right? And really the first step to actually making progress in any direction, whether it's related to your life in general or improving your sales conversion rate, the first thing to do is obviously take responsibility. But what I'm starting to see and what I'm, what I'm sure this has been the case for a very long time is that lead quality becomes the scapegoat for a poor sales process. So instead of blaming yourself and instead of actually saying that I am the one responsible for that deal not going through we use the idea of lead quality when in reality the lead might not be perfect quality they might not be a perfect fit you know you're not going to talk to people who have a huge budget who want to get on board immediately who love Facebook ads who love you who you know that's not going to happen every single time but Really, the only, the only answer to, to this whole process, especially if you're doing organic attraction, right? If you are doing organic attraction and you're generating leads through email, through LinkedIn, through Facebook, it's, it's scrappy business. It's messy. And the lead quality, quality, not to overextend the term, is not going to be very good, right? Because you're going to be talking to anyone and everyone who has some time and some desire to talk to you. And those are the two things that get people on a phone call is time and desire. doesn't mean they have loads of money and stuff. But at the same time, almost every business owner you talk to is going to have a certain amount of money and enough to probably work with you. Every bit, I mean, not every business, of course, but you know, nine out of 10 or eight out of 10 businesses you talk to from an organic attraction perspective will have an extra two to $3,000 a month to spend on retainer and ad spend, right? Most of them have that. Likewise, they all have the desire for more customers. So what we're starting to see, and I know I kind of keep repeating the same point here in different formats, but what we're seeing is that when when agency owners aren't closing deals, it's usually because they're blaming the lead quality. When in reality, if they actually just took some responsibility and learned to handle objections in a better format, then they would probably close those deals. And you can sort of take a lead and you can sort of polish it to increase the quality, if that makes sense, like by actually handling their objections properly and sort of, um, you know, approaching that from from a good sort of perspective. So objections in light do not mean poor lead quality, right? People think that if a, if a prospect comes on board and they've got loads of objections that the lead is just not very good, right? And that's what they will sort of blame on the sale not going through. But the reality is that objections are always going to exist, except in cases where you will just sign people up immediately and they'll be the perfect fit for you. But you can't rely on those sorts of prospects. So this also boils back down to your lead sourcing, right? So when we talk about lead sourcing in terms of finding emails or phone numbers or potential prospects to contact, when you, a lot of agency owners come to us and their lead sourcing process is usually underpinned by a lot of faulty beliefs, right? So first of all, they won't source leads um, with people who are currently running Facebook ads. They won't, they'll, they'll, they will not, talk to someone if the person has a Facebook pixel on their website. Um, they won't source leads if like there's, there's a, I mean, hundreds, there are dozens of reasons as to why people aren't sourcing leads particularly. And you know, what we're doing, what we see there is people are prejudging based on their existing internal beliefs about what the prospect probably is. Um, and they're usually wrong. So like, for example, I just hopped off a call with a client and, um, and he was saying, oh yeah, I'm, I don't prospect people that are already running apps. He's in the e-commerce space. Um, awesome guy great intentions. He's going to go very far working with us as well. He's, he's going to smash it. But one of the negative beliefs that he had that was holding him back with the whole idea of overextending the idea of lead quality was lead sourcing. And he was like, oh yeah, I don't want to source leads for e-commerce businesses that are already running Facebook ads because they don't need my help. 
And when you observe that, when you, 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 it, it seems to make sense when you actually observe it. But when you, when you actually think about it, it doesn't make sense because just because they're already running Facebook ads, A, doesn't mean their ads are profitable, right? B, it doesn't mean that they are, they know what the hell they're doing. C, maybe they are profitable, but maybe the agency they're working with is horrible and they hate working with the agency. So you should still prospect those people because prospecting organically is all about volume, right? And we can't just pick and choose. If you haven't got any clients or if you haven't got many clients, beggars physically cannot be choosers, right? The word, that sort of term applies perfectly in this situation. So you should not be afraid of hopping on the call with someone if you don't think they're a good fit because our prejudgments of calls and our prejudgments of prospects will often become true. So I see this happen all the time where people get on calls and they, they sort of, the prospect says something early on and then they latch on to the belief that it's not a good fit and then they lead the call in that direction. So I can give you an example of this. Yesterday, we closed a client for Imperium. Um, I can give you an example in a positive light of this not happening. And um, and so with Imperium, um, obviously, we're selling a training program to help agency owners get more clients. And I was on the phone yesterday with this guy. Um, he's now on board. He's awesome. And um, and he said to me, he was like, yeah, I've, I'm already with a coach. I'm already working with a coach. Now, to the untrained salesperson, what would happen is they would basically start to foster the belief that this person is not good quality, right? The lead quality is not good because they're already working with a coach. And they immediately jump to all these conclusions about the prospect situation without even letting the prospect explain their situation in full. So I sort of said to this guy, I said, okay, you know, tell me about that. And he told me about who was currently coaching him. Um, and over the course of the call, I didn't let those prejudgments of the idea of lead quality because if you if you if you prejudge someone and you think the call will not close, then what you will start to do unconsciously on the call is lead the call in the direction that you already think it's going in because you want to confirm what you already believe to be true. It's no longer about closing the prospect. It's about satisfying your ego and being right, which is a which is a very, very big problem at the moment with sales calls where people they think a call is due to go in one direction. So they lead it in that direction so they can feel that they've actually been right. Um, when in reality, if, if you prejudge a prospect and take the call in the direction, it's not, it's not necessarily the outcome that's right for the prospect. It just feels right because that's what you believe to be true. Story for another day. But my point here is that when you have an application from a prospect, when you're going to lead source a prospect, when you're on a call with a prospect, the, your job is to diagnose their problem, right? And if they've got a problem, you can you tell them you can help them. Then if they have objections, related to why you might not be able to help them, then you try your best to overcome those objections. And if you genuinely think you can help someone, you do everything within your power to get them on board. Objections do not equal poor lead quality, right? It, this, this, to go back to this story of this guy who's working with a coach, right? So well, I said at the end, I said, okay, so we deliver what we do in a training program. And I walked him through the training program. Um, and inevitably at the end, he said, well, I'm already working with a coach. So I'm not too sure if this is the right sort of thing for me. And what we'd established on the call is that he had this big problem in his business of appointment setting for his agency and his current coach was not addressing the issue. His current coach was more of a business performance coach as opposed to an appointment setting coach. So I said to him, I said, okay, so what we can observe on this call is we've clearly defined that the biggest problem with your agency right now and the biggest bottleneck that's stopping you from getting what you want is appointment booking. Is that correct? And he said, yeah. And I said, okay, so the coach you're currently working with, have they been able to solve this problem for you? Just plain bank question. I shut up and he said, he said, oh, well, well, no. And I said, okay, so can you see how it makes sense to work with us considering this is the main, this is the main problem we're going to be solving? And he was like, yeah. And it, it, all it took was a bit of questioning. Now, 
this is a different story for another day. I'll probably record another video on this. But when someone has an objection of that nature, like, oh, I, I, should I be working with two coaches? They're not telling you that they want to work. They don't want to work with another coach. They're just saying that they believe that it could be wrong to have more than one coach, for example. So this is another example of this is our clients who start prospecting. You know, we tell we tell our clients to prospect businesses that are potentially already working with other agencies. Right now, does that mean that, you know, obviously you're going to you're going to hop on calls with people who are working with other agencies and it won't be a good fit because they'll be happy with their current agency or you might not even be able to do a better job than the agency. But until you are at the point where you're doing six to seven to eight discovery calls per day, you should not be picky of what sort of calls you pick. You know, if, if you're not doing, if you're doing less than 20K a month and if you haven't got a full calendar, then you should not be picky of the type of people you talk to. You shouldn't be concerned with wasting your time on prospects that aren't a good fit if you're not yet at the point where you can actually decide which sort of prospects you want to work with. Because even if there's a 10% chance of someone closing, it's still worth talking to them. The only time it's not worth talking to them is when you've got someone else that could have a better chance of closing and the opportunity cost starts to kick in. So even if someone wants to book a call with you and on paper it looks like they could be a terrible fit for you, it's still worth going through a quick 45 minute call with them to see if you can help them because it might be the case that they mistyped something. You know, I had this before with our old agency um, and I remember this really clearly where we had this application form come through and on the application form, something that we ask is how much money do you want? To, we work with gyms. So it's how much money do you want to be making with your gym um, in the next 12 months? Like what's your desired revenue? And um, and I got this application form through and it said $4,000 on the application form. And immediately off the bat, I, I prejudged them. I was like, okay, well, if they want to get to $4,000, that would imply that they're only currently doing like $1,000 or something. And considering we charge $2,000 a month, it's not a good fit. But I caught that because I was well versed in this sort of mode of thinking because, you know, we didn't have calls to justify rejecting applications. Um, and another example of this, by the way, I'll go back to that story. Another example is if you ask prospects if they've got the financial resources to invest and they say no, don't reject the call because they don't know how much you charge. And once they see the value of what you do, they probably will have the money. But that's a story for another day. But with this call, right? So it said they want to get to $4,000. Um, and I was like, I prejudged them. I won't lie. But I did... I didn't prejudge them to the point where I started to sort of take the corner in the direction that I didn't want to go. So we got on the call. I just, you know, my my sort of attitude for every single call that I take is to forget about the idea of lead quality, right? The qualification application form really doesn't fucking matter. The only thing that matters is the line of questioning that I ask them on the call. And that's how I will determine whether or not they're a good fit. So I got on this call and I got to the point where I asked them about how much money they wanted to make. And, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> It's a big water bottle. Stay hydrated, guys. Um, and um, and I asked them, I was like, okay, well, how much money do you want to be making with this gym? And, you know, I asked that and they said, oh, we want to make $40,000 per month. So what had happened is they just missed a zero on the application form. And had I not given them the opportunity, and I think we, I actually remember now, we, I think we closed them. I think we did. And I think they referred us to business, actually. So had I judged them, and said, oh, I can see, you know, this isn't a good fit, like before the call, or had I got on the call with under the impression they didn't, they weren't making much money and skewed the call and went off script and everything for that reason, then obviously we wouldn't have got them signed up. But it wasn't until I got to that point and I was like, ah, you want to be making 40K a month. 
And they're like, yeah. And I said, okay, that makes perfect sense. And I moved on to the next question. Um, and they were a good fit for us. And that prejudgment of the application form was, you know, was, was negative. And I think this happens a lot with application forms where you, people judge prospects on the application form. The thing with the application form when you're, when you're actually, you know, the whole idea of an application form is to pre-qualify prospects. Um, how, and I recommend that you use application forms if you're not making loads of money, if you haven't got loads of clients, you can still use them. However, you've got to realize that the idea of using an application form has come from people who are making multi seven and eight figures. And they are at the point where they've got so many calls that they need to really sort of qualify the leads because they're talking to so many people. And we're having this with Imperium now where we're actually starting to fill up the calendar. And it's like, we only want to talk to agencies that are a good fit. So we use an application form and we are now in a position to make some prejudgments with a lot of diligence and a lot of prudence, if that makes sense. So you can still use an application form, but when you receive an application form, you should not take it at face value. And you should not just assume that the quality of the lead isn't there because of a bit of writing on a piece of paper. You should actually just take some time to ask them and properly explore the problem. At the end of the day, if, if someone has, the only thing that makes a client a good fit is if they have a problem, a desire to solve that problem, and the belief that you can do it for them. And ultimately, you are responsible for building those three things in their mind. You are responsible for building the confidence that you can actually do it in their mind. You are responsible for defining their problem and fleshing out on the call and making it seem so nasty that they want to solve it. And you are also responsible for tying emotion and building desire into that problem. And honestly, like you are responsible for the prospect's decision. So if you end a sales call and you catch yourself blaming yourself or sorry, if you catch yourself blaming the prospect for the outcome of that call being negative, then you're probably not telling the truth to yourself. Is it the case that 20%, 10% of the time, it genuinely wasn't a good fit? Absolutely. You know, there are going to be calls that you do with people where no matter how good you are at objection handling, you can't close them, right? Because, you know, we can't, it's, it's just the whole principle of overextension. We can't overextend the other side of this where we go to the point where we take responsibility for every call because then you know, you're going to get seriously demotivated when you can't close someone, you know, so we don't want to overextend it to the other side. We don't want to overextend it too far. You know, we want to have the idea of responsibility for call, like you're responsible for the call. And then also you want to have the idea of them being responsible for the call. And you want to sort of sit here, not to the point where you take responsibility for every prospect's decision, because if they're, if they're making no money or if they're in debt, not a good fit. You're not responsible for their financial situation. So that's fine. But at the same time, that's very rare. And objections are smoke screens and they're obvious honestly when someone objects it's never usually the actual objection they're saying so if someone says they haven't got the money to work with you what they're really saying is they haven't got the the trust in you to give you their money right so it's never usually about actually having the budget it's more so about having the budget but just not trusting you with it and what happens is people start to form these beliefs in their mind after a call and they'll be like, oh yeah, it wasn't a good fit because it didn't have the budget. But the reality was that you just didn't do a good enough job on the call. And I'll leave you guys with this in closing. It's painful to take responsibility for things like this because it, it holds a mirror up to our flaws and, you know, it holds a, it sort of, it gives us clarity on the fact that we're not as good as we think we are. But until you take responsibility for this and until you stop overextending the principle of lead quality, you're never going to be amazing at sales. And that's just a harsh truth. Can you be amazing at sales? Absolutely. What's the first step to making that happen? It's taking full responsibility for the prospect's decision. So I have had this before where someone comes on the call and they say to me at the start, just so you know, Charlie, I'm not making a decision today. And I would say to them, I'd say, well, I totally understand that. But 
your responsibility. No, sorry, but your decision is my responsibility. So if you don't decide today, that's on me and not you. And that's usually quite a good way of answering that one. So just a little sort of caveat to slip in there. But yeah, I wanted to record this video because the point of this channel is to solve problems and to give you heuristics and principles and knowledge and frameworks and skills to basically improve the client acquisition process that your agency currently operates under. And honestly, the the biggest problem is never usually the strategy you're using or the script you're using. Uh, it's usually just your beliefs and your sort of cognitive biases towards situations like this. So I hope this video has proved useful. Um, I am going to be posting on this channel pretty much every week, um, probably every Monday. I'm still to figure out the schedule and everything. Um, but feel free to subscribe, comment and like if you've got any comments or any sort of anything to add on this. Um, I'd love to hear it. So I will see you in the next video. Thanks for watching. Cheers.